When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. What's going on, everybody? Zach Rosenblatt here with Daryl Slater for the latest episode, first in a long time, of the Talk is Cheap podcast. We're back for the start of the season. Um, if you hear some rain, it's because we're doing this in a car at, uh, at the Giants facility, but we have to make the best of what we can because we're here at practice. Um, Daryl, how are you doing? It's been it's been a while since we've done this. We're doing it in person, actually. First time. Yeah, yeah. It has been a while. A lot has changed with the Giants, obviously. And, uh, Just a, a little sh- bit, yeah. A lot has changed in the world, too. So the NFL getting back on track in terms of all fans and stadiums. And it'll be nice, I'm sure, for Giants fans to be out there on Sunday for the opener against the Broncos, be able to uh, watch the team in person. So um, it'll be uh, a pretty fascinating year and a team that looks a little bit different than last year yeah definitely I mean yeah I don't even know I don't can't remember the last time we did an episode it was a crazy year for us so it was a little difficult but you know obviously they added all these players in free agency uh Kenny Galladay Kyle Rudolph Dory Jackson um and and then they drafted Kadarius Tony in the first round um and and all four of those guys I just named missed most of training camp on oh, Dory Jackson played in training camp but got hurt towards the end um so it was kind of a messy training camp. Uh, we can get into that a little bit, but like, yeah, I mean, uh, it's funny. I think I went in training camp maybe a little higher on the Giants than you. I wasn't extremely high. I maybe had them at nine wins. I come out of it not feeling very good about them. I think I predicted seven wins in my most recent thing. But like, how, how you, you saw a bunch of training camp. Like, how, how do you feel about the Giants now compared to before training camp? I think you hit the nail on the head with the big problem there. A lot of their um, prominent offensive players, particularly new guys, Kyle Rudolph, Kenny Galladay, Darius Tony, missed significant stretches. Uh, Saquon Barkley. Uh, Saquon Barkley, just by the nature of his return from his knee surgery, missed significant stretches of training camp. And you're talking about some new guys who needed to kind of gel with Daniel Jones, and that just they just haven't had the opportunities to do that. Now they're going to come out of the gate with a, a, a game against the Broncos and then a quick turnaround game in Washington. And, and you look at those games and you think, oh, those teams weren't very good. Those are probably winnable games, and that's perhaps true, but they both have pretty good defenses. And now you have a Giants offense that is not really has not really had a chance to gel together. It seems like a potential recipe for an 0-2 start uh, in in two games that on paper, based on the records of these teams last year, that the Giants could should or could have a decent chance of of winning, and and you know we'll see what 0 2 means. Obviously, 17 games different than 16, but this is a team that got off to a slow start last year. The Giants did, um, and you wonder um, if it, just when is their offense going to kind of get it together? I mean, Kenny Galladay even said it right, like he yeah. expects the offense to start slow. I mean, geez, you, <laughs> like you never hear a guy 
talk that I think pessimistically. It was, I feel like it was accidental honesty there. Yeah. Exactly. It was. It was honesty, not even pessimism. But you never hear a guy be that real about um, some of the challenges they're almost certainly going to face. To say nothing of their offensive I mean, line. And if you even listen to Joe Judge, and he's not someone who really gives away much. He does talk a lot, but he doesn't necessarily give away much. But one thing he said a few times now is that he views September as an extension of the preseason, which is kind of alarming when you consider they had an actual preseason this year and full training camp. But yeah, you know, all these, I think he probably was alluding to the offense without directly saying it because this group just needs time together um, and they didn't get it. So now, you know, you go into the season and, you know, I didn't, the, the offense was the number one problem last year. I mean, it's, it's so, you can just look at the very basic stats. You don't even need to go into analytics. Their defense was in the top half of the league. Their offense was 31st, and they averaged 17 and a half points a game. If the offense averages 20 points a game, they make the playoffs last year. Like there was a few games they lost by a few. They lost quite a few games by single digits last year, um, and that's why they went out and they spent all this money on offensive guys. A lot of them had questions about their health coming in, and they've all kind of lived up to that. But um, you know, on paper, this was supposed to be a lot better, and and I, and. You know, we can start previewing the season slash the game. I, I was I figured we could hit all the key storylines, and I think the key one is isn't even Daniel Jones necessarily, although he's obviously an important one. I think it's the offensive line. Yes. Um, wh- whatever you think of Daniel Jones, there's no way to like even tell what kind of player he is if the offensive line is ab- as bad as it was last year. And I would argue that based on what we saw, what I saw in the joint practices, what we all saw in the preseason, what we saw throughout training camp. You could argue that the offensive line is worse than last year. They they took a huge risk cutting their best player on the offensive line, which was Kevin Zeitler, for cap space so they could go and sign guys like Galladay. And instead of adding anybody new of relevance, they just decided they're going to roll with the guys they drafted last year. They're going to move Will Hernandez to a position he's never played at right guard, and they're going to bring Nate Solder back as the swing tackle. <laughs> it, it's It's been such a disaster that right now it looks like Nate Solder is going to start at right tackle. And it seems like a the right choice based on how bad Matt Parrot is it pronounced Parrot. I just learned the other day. Matt Parrot was uh, in training camp, and that's alarming because they drafted that guy in the third round last year in hopes that he would become the starter. Whereas Nate Solder in twenty nineteen was probably the worst tackle in football. He allowed eleven sacks. He hasn't. He didn't play football all last year. He wasn't even around the team. He opted out, so he wasn't in football shape when he got here. And he still beat out Matt Matt Parrot for the starting job. They'll probably rotate, but like. That right there, and by the way, he hasn't played right tackle since his rookie year, which was a long time ago. And then you, so so that's a disaster at right tackle, left guard Shane Lemieux wasn't good last year. Been injured most of training camp. Really didn't get any reps. Didn't play in the preseason. They have him locked in as a starter at left guard, and so that's a question mark. And then Andrew Thomas, you know, ended the preseason poorly. Um, you know, I think he was going through through some things, which I'm uh, writing about this week, but. Um, Based on how he started last year, like that was alarming to say the least. And if he, I would argue he's probably the second most important guy in this team behind Daniel Jones. I mean, look, you you covered it. I mean, not only did they not add any players of relevance, they added some players of irrelevance. I mean, Kenny. I mean, yeah. I mean, well, first of all, Joe Looney and uh, Zach Fulton retired during training camp, yep. and those guys, if you're relying on them anyway, it's not ideal. Jonathan Harrison wasn't good enough to stick around. They cut him. Kenny Wiggins was randomly thrown in with the first team. He just got cut from the practice squad. So they revamped their backup offensive line unit a week before the season. They traded for Ben Bredesen on the Ravens and Billy Price on the Bengals. 
clearly both those teams didn't feel like they needed. The ironic thing about the Ravens one is Breedison wouldn't have been available if they didn't have Kevin Zeitler. <laughs> <laughs> so the Giants had to give up a fourth-round pick, basically, to get this young guy. The Giants, who pro- terrible. Who probably will wind up starting at some point. But, yeah, <laughs> it's not a good sign when you're revamping your offensive line a week before the season, I would say. The Giants' terrible offensive line is a flat circle, I guess. It just goes <laughs> to show with a Yeah, with I mean, it's, but- it's funny. I was on a radio show the other day, and he's like, you know what? The, the offensive line has been as bad as it has been in the last couple of years. And, and I'm like, what do you mean the last couple of years? You mean the last 10 years? He's like, all right, fair enough. Because this offensive line, you know, I since I've been covering the Giants, certainly hasn't been good. But for probably since they won the Super Bowl, it's just been a mess. And they've made a lot of bad draft picks and bad signings. And, I mean, I and, you know, we always wind up coming back to Dave Gettleman at some point on this podcast. But when he when he came here... His message, and he said it multiple times, was that he was gonna he was gonna get the offensive line better, and that was gonna get the team back on track. Like, I don't remember the exact quotes, but it was you know the hog mollies and all that stuff. We're in year four. The offensive line might be worse than when he got here. None of his draft picks so far have panned out. You know, you could say maybe these young guys figure it out at some point. But he he's been he's been saying that like that was how he was gonna he was gonna build this team. They haven't won at all, and the offensive line is still bad. Yeah, you know, I was talking to Tiki Barber at an event the other day, and I said, uh, yeah, so Gettleman said when he got here he was going to fix the line, and then he just kind of jumped in and said, and that hasn't happened. And he's right, that has not happened. I mean, that's the simplest way to kind of sum up Dave Gettleman's biggest failure. Uh, that hasn't happened. It, it hasn't even come close to happening. I mean, you went through every position, and, and uh, you look at their line, and probably the most uh, stable position right now is, is center, where Nick Gates is there, and he, he's a, a perfectly acceptable player who is fairly new to the position. And when they're talking about moving confident. him, they're talking about moving him to guard now too, because they might they might have a better unit with him at guard, and he's their best player right now at center. Which I is just like, yeah. I just don't see any way this goes well for for Daniel Jones. I mean, Andrew Thomas is going to have to make a huge leap. Uh, this year, and and yeah, I mean, there's still hope for him. It, it's not like you know all is lost because he had a rocky rookie season. Um, but he needs to prove it, yeah, for sure. And he needs to, and he and he has some significant challenges coming out against these two defensive fronts in the Broncos and Washington the first two weeks, and and in in a span of a Sunday to Thursday too. Remember, so it is going to be very difficult for Andrew Thomas right out of the gate. Um, and one thing Tiki said when I was talking to him too is you don't want to get in a position where you're having to always worry about helping your left tackle, who should be your best lineman, you, with chipping with a running back, keeping a tight end over there, and shifting and all that sort of stuff. So that just makes liabilities elsewhere on the line, and the Giants cannot afford to do that right now because of all those other weaknesses that you mentioned. Yeah, you know, any, anytime I get asked about how I think the Giants are going to do, do this year, it always comes down to the offensive line because I genuinely think this roster – you know, top to bottom, is good enough to win in an NFC East that's not that good. Like, they have they have strengths, especially on defense, which I'm sure we'll get to. They have more talent on, at weapon, on their weapons. Saquon Barkley will be back. You know, a lot of guys coming back from last year. But the offensive line, if the offensive line is bad, this team is going to be bad. If the offensive line is even average, they can they can pull something out. Whether, it, whether it's yeah. eight wins, nine wins, whatever it is, they can be a better team than they were last year. But if the offensive line is bad, as bad, or worse, or around the same level as last year. They're not going anywhere. Daniel Jones is not, you know, he, he I think he, he can make some throws, and he's athletic, and he still makes a lot of mistakes, but, like, he's a guy that you can win with, I think, if the pieces around him are in place. He's not a guy who can lift up the pieces around him, and, you know, their season really just banks on the, on the decision this staff made, which I think, you know, we blame Dave Gettleman, but for the fact that they kept – the same group, I think Joe Judge is a part of that. Like he very easily could have pushed for them to get new guys, but instead he revamped the coaching staff, hired Rob Sale, brought back Pat Flaherty, 
Um, Freddie Kitchens is going to be helping on the O-line now. So, like, they clearly, like, believed in this group and thought the coaching was the issue. And if that's not right, then Joe Judge also deserves blame, too. No doubt. I mean, it would be hard for the line to be much worse. Yeah. I mean, if it, and if they're as bad, as you said, they, they'll be right there among the two or three worst lines in the league. I mean, you just cannot overcome that, especially if you're a young quarterback. And, um, yeah, I think that that certainly could be something that sinks the giant season because you look elsewhere – on this team and you think okay maybe you know everything else is either competent positions that were the same uh as last year or maybe they made some upgrades certainly at skill position but none of it matters none of it matters if you can't protect your young quarterback and uh that's sort of what the giants are looking at here uh with so many big question marks about their offensive line going into the season yeah all right let's hit daniel jones now because that's obviously the the main topic um you know I mean, everybody knows his career progression. I think he showed some flashes as a rookie. He was pretty prolific, 24 touchdown passes, over 3,000 passing yards. Turned it over way too much. And then last year, he turned it over slightly less, but he also wasn't making plays. To get only 11 touchdown passes in 14 games seems almost impossible in the modern, like, pass-happy NFL. Um, And that's what he did. So the offense was terrible, and he didn't really help it out. I know he didn't have a great, a lot of help around him, but, you know, in training camp, I, I kind of saw a lot of the same Daniel Jones. You know, you saw a guy that could make some really amazing plays. You know, the, his teammates really respect him. Um, he can run. But he also still sometimes makes these decisions that lead to a turnover. You saw it in that in the only preseason game he get, played in against the Patriots. Interception, yeah, they were down in the red zone. And he had one of the worst throws he's probably made as a pro. He threw it way. But, I mean, I, I, apparently Evan Ingram might have run the wrong route, but that doesn't matter. He threw it into a crowd in the end zone yeah. behind Evan Ingram by like a mile. So they had an easy interception and that ended a scoring drive. Like, like that. Up, up until that point, I was like, okay, maybe he can be okay this year. Then that happens, you're like, or maybe he's the same as he has always been. And if he's the same as he has always been, then they're gonna, you know, the funny thing, I mean, they're gonna have to probably move on from him. But the the problem is they have so little, such a little cap space. They're probably not going to be a real contender for, you know, the Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson's of the world. They'll have to draft somebody and. The odds of a guy that they draft coming in and being ready are also slim, and so you know they're, it's just a mess. They they need Daniel. If Daniel Jones can be good enough, then they can survive the next couple of years. But if he's not, then they're not what the best history. I know they have two first round picks and all that, but I wouldn't be optimistic. Yeah, I mean they if they're look if they're bad, they're going to be near the top of the draft anyway. But they certainly have the ammo to move up for a quarterback yeah. if they want to do that. Because we talk about people say why why would you pull the plug on Neil Jones after three years? Well, the Jets just did it with Sam Darnold, and that's because under the new CBA, these fifth year options are fully guaranteed at the time you exercise. Yeah, and they have to them. decide that with Jones soon. Yeah, right. So they have to decide it next off season. And so when they decide make that decision on this fifth year option, if if they decide on it, they're locked into him for not just twenty twenty two, but twenty twenty. Right. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, and then and then yeah. because he is he was a top ten pick, it also was like the average of like the top ten. It's or a lot like of that. money. Yeah. I mean, I think Darnold's option was uh, like was eighteen million, oh, 18 million or something like that. But it's a significant figure, um, especially if it's a guy you're still aren't sure about. For sure. And so the the Giants are in that position now. You know, like wh- what do they do? They're going to have to get some definitive answers here about Daniel Jones, and and it's going to be hard to get those definitive answers if he's not given enough time. Um, to throw the ball. I mean, like it's I mean, really that simple. The thing, like, it, this really does feel like a situation where Daniel Jones leaves here after next year or whatever, or after this year, whenever it is, and then he goes somewhere where there's a, you know, a guru, a quarterback guru, an offensive coordinator, and they kind of figure him out more, like a Ryan Tannehill type situation. I, Could be. It's, I just I don't see, see a pat, like, the, they just haven't done a good enough job of putting the supporting cast around him that he specifically needs, you know? So, I mean, that's, that's way down the line, but, I mean, so Daniel Jones is obviously – 
you know, such a big topic for this year. And, um, you know, sticking on offense, so we can talk about Saquon real quick here. Um, it's kind of like the same thing. Like, I mean, at this point, it looks like he's going to play week one, I would say. I, I would be surprised if it's a significant role. I think it's going to be a pretty small role in week one. That He only started getting hit last week, and that was not at, like, the full practice. And he was listed as limited on Wednesday. Probably limited today, too, Thursday. Um, yeah, you know, I... They, their offense fell apart when he got injured last year because they just built it around him. I don't think Jason Garrett is necessarily suited to, you know, learning, uh, figuring things out on the fly. He's not very innovative. He's a big topic about this this season too, obviously. But what 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 are your expectations for Saquon this year? Like, I, obviously, they they have a really tough decision to make coming up with his contract. You know, again, it kind of gets a little bit back to the line and and and. Yeah. And can they block for him? And certainly they were a better run-blocking team than pass-blocking team. Low bar to clear there. But yeah. uh, I think, yeah, they do. They have a significant decision to make about his contract because he is, you know, this is his fourth year, and he presumably does not want to play on, the, on his fifth-year option next year and on his rookie deal. So you and I wrote about it um, earlier this offseason. Like, do you think he's going to be a long-term giant? Don't be sure. I think that was the headline on the story. Um, because, look, if he doesn't come out and have a really productive year, if he has a great year, then they're going to give him money next year. Whether, if, he even whether, has, if he even has a good year, they what, probably are. Yeah. Whether that's smart or not, you yeah. could just, just like you could you could d- debate that, just like you could debate whether it was smart or not to draft him with a second overall pick. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, he's going to be a huge difference maker for this offense one way or the other. Because if he's not back to his old self and it's certainly possible that he's not because for every Adrian Peterson story there are guys who just didn't uh didn't return from these significant uh knee ligament tears now, now or, it ta- or, it, or it takes longer yeah. yeah it takes longer and I you know the confidence is something to, that he has to get back to and um yeah obviously he's young he's very strong and so that bodes well for him it's not like he's in the later stages of his career but um yeah there are a lot of question marks about Saquon Barkley just like so many guys on this offense um and, and in terms of the immediate you're, you're right you're dead on there there he look if he gets 20 plus carries in that first game I I don't know. I mean, I'll be in Charlotte. Yeah, there's no so, way. Yeah, you know, maybe true. I'll, I'll yeah, eat come my, the Sam Darnold I'll game. eat my roster or whatever <laughs> if, if he gets 20-plus carries in the first game. Not touches, carries. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, don't hold me to that because I'm definitely not going to. I'm not doing it. <laughs> Daryl doesn't I, hold up to bets. He's I don't. For that. Well, it's another story. But that's <laughs> not, none of this is legally binding. So, <laughs> I, I, given the short turnaround, Joe Judge just said what you'd expect the coach to say. Hey, uh, we're only focused on the first game. Okay, that's that's bunk. I mean, like they obviously know, um, you know, there's a, another game coming up so quickly. Yeah, that's that's part of the fact. They're they, they play, it, they play Washington sure. on the road on Thursday. Yeah, after for sure. Sunday, which they play a 4 p.m. game too. So it's they've been looking at this thing in the big picture the whole time. Yeah. With Saquon Barkley. Joe Judge. It's funny. Joe Judge a lot of times acts like he doesn't. He has no idea what his schedule is, but that guy probably has the entire year planned out already. So yeah, exactly. And so um, they've looked at the big picture all along with Saquon Barkley's long-term health and not wanting to do anything to jeopardize it, which is smart. Which is very smart because look, I mean, they've invested a lot in him, and they and they probably will invest some more still if they give him the long-term contract. Obviously, so um, yes, they they want to preserve his long-term health, and it's not worth pushing him out of the gates here. Um, the first two games of a 17-game season when they could perhaps lean on some other guys to to maybe um, make up for that production. Yeah, definitely. And so I, I want to hit one more offensive topic, then we can briefly talk about the defense, which I don't think is much of an issue, and maybe preview this game a little bit. But <clears throat> when it hit Kadarius Tony, he is the first-round pick. Um, it's been one of the stranger starts to career I've ever experienced. I didn't cover the Giants when Odell was here. I know that was a weird year. Um, but then his talent was just so astronomical that it didn't matter in the end. 
I mean, the personality eventually did, whatever. Um, but, you know, Kadarius, you know, he starts rookie minicamp with a cleat issue, uh, whereas, you know, he he's wearing new cleats for the first time, and he this is a guy who, like, doesn't really wear socks usually, which I guess is, like, a thing from where he's from. Um, and so he, like, was having a real problem with his cleats in the first practice where he was, like, running during one drill with one one cleat on, which I've never seen. Anyway, he was banged up throughout that, that camp. He skipped voluntary OTAs in a contract dispute, which you never see with first-round picks these days because they have, like, the set values of their contracts or whatever. And then, you know, training camp starts. He tests positive for COVID-19 before he gets here. He, he misses he, – they really slow to ramp him up. Uh, he started really feeling the COVID effects. That were, it, it was an issue. They they brought him back. He played in some team drills like one day, and then from there it just was way back to almost him not being out there at all for the entire camp because COVID, you know, I mean, everybody – it hits everybody differently, obviously, as you know. And, yeah, and then and then sort of I think as a result of that maybe, I mean, I mean that's that's not definite, but he hurt his hamstring at some point, and so that's been plaguing him. And so he finally just started this, in this last week or two, he was finally just started practicing, and the Giants are starting to talk him up again. I, I would still be surprised if this guy plays a big role in the beginning of the season. And you, and that's alarming for – they basically made a luxury pick. They traded back, which was a good move. I mean, unless you believe Justin Fields is better than Jones, and that's a whole other topic. But So they traded back, and then they picked a wide receiver who's mainly a slot receiver, and they have Sterling Shepard on the roster. He's going to be here another year now because they just restructured his deal to guarantee more money next year. They have Kenny Galladay. They have Darius Slayton. So they picked a receiver and they have all these other needs, which is fine. But, like, now if the expectation is that Tony's not going to make a significant impact as a rookie, then you kind of wasted a first-round pick for a team that, you know, on paper doesn't look like it's going to be a contender, and they need a hit on all their draft picks. Yeah, I mean, from the get-go, you look at this pick and it just seemed very curious. And it's gotten gotten even more and more curious as Kadarius Tony has gone along here early in his career. When you talk about Odell Beckham, who is obviously a tremendous talent, right? So he missed the first four games of his rookie year and a lot of the preseason with a hamstring injury. Even those next three games where he came back, you go back and look at those numbers from seven years ago, they're pretty modest numbers his first three games until he kind of, um, you know, burst onto the scene there in the last nine games of his rookie year. So even a guy with that amount of talent, it took the first half of his rookie year for him to get his feet wet. Now, Kadarius Tony, I don't think he's going to miss the first four games, but um, that just goes to show that it's it's not easy to um, to be able to hit the ground running in the NFL as a receiver when you have not gotten the time with your quarterback. And I go back to uh, this is all this stuff I talked to Tiki Barber about and wrote a little story about it as well. He had good context. I mean, he brought up the Odell thing. I had forgotten about that. But he brought up this is the same conversation people were having about Odell Beckham. What can we expect from him? And as Tiki said, he turned out to be pretty darn great. Yes, of course, but it took until the second half of his rookie year. And you're talking about a guy with, like, otherworldly talent. And so uh, we'll see what uh, Kadarius Toney is going to be able to offer early in the season. But I would be surprised uh, if, it w- if it's going to be uh, a lot. I mean, another factor with him that – it's often left out is that this guy doesn't even have that much experience playing wide receiver. He was a quarterback in high school, moved to wide receiver once he got to Florida. He still wasn't fully developed by the end of it. I think he still needs to learn a lot about root, root running and all that stuff. So, you know, he's a raw prospect on top of not practicing at all in training camp. Yeah, no, and, and, and again, I'll get back to something that Tiki said, because, I mean, he's got a pretty smart football mind, even though a lot of people, the Giants fans, may think yeah. he's annoying, but whatever. Um, and this is a good point. It's not like it's some inventive point, but... Um, Playing receiver in the NFL is so different than in college because these offenses in college are very simplified. You run a go route and that's it, and you have your assignment and you go. But a lot of these routes in the NFL 
uh, are coverage dependent, right? So your route can change before uh, before the play, right after, right pre-snap. So you have to read the coverage. You have to be on the same page as your quarterback. And if you don't know what you're doing or you don't have a lot of experience at receiver or you haven't gotten a lot of uh, opportunities to work with your quarterback in, in training camp, all of which is true of Kadarius Tony, <laughs> who may be a great athlete, if you don't know what the heck you're doing and you run the wrong route, it doesn't matter, right? So that's something that we may see pop up here. Yeah, um... Yeah, I mean, I'm very interested to see how his season plays out. Yeah. Because the thing is, like, he is an intriguing player. Like, he's very quick, twitchy. He can line up at a bunch of different spots. But I'm also not entirely confident Jason Garrett has the creativity to use him in the right way. But um, that's a topic for another day. Um, We can hit the defense real quick. I, I think this defense could actually be pretty good. I think they loaded up in the secondary. They filled their biggest hole, which was a second cornerback spot. They maybe overpaid for a Dory Jackson, but he's such a appreciably better than Isaac Yadam and Ryan Lewis were last year that – like that should make a real big difference as long as he stays healthy, which is no guarantee. But, you know, that secondary, you have him and James Bradbury. You have Logan Ryan coming back. You have Drabil Peppers. And then Xavier McKinney's going to play the whole year. So that's just a very talented secondary. And that's a very Patriots way to build the defense, starting from the back. You know, they lost Alvin Tomlinson, but they brought back Leonard Williams. And I think they really think that Dexter Lawrence can make a leap forward. They need Leonard to play like he did last year, which he had never – done in his career and he we don't know how he bounces back from a season like that because he's never had a season like that so that's gonna be very interesting to see how he handles the added attention and you know the big question is obviously the pass rush uh they tried signing Leonard Floyd he wound up going back to the Rams so the only guy they really added was uh Aziz Ojolari so now you're banking on a rookie you're banking on Lorenzo Carter who everybody's high on in training camp and I know Patrick Graham was like getting emotional talking about how good he's looked the other day but again he's a guy that hasn't proved it yet in games and he's in his fourth year you know, Shane Zimenez uh, still hasn't really proven anything. He was banged up all of last year. And so their fourth-round pick, Ellerson Smith, is probably might even be a medical redshirt for them this year. So there's real questions about the pass rush, but you also kind of believe, even just you, you see what they did last year, Patrick Graham's ability to create pass rush in creative ways. But ideally, you'd have a pass rush you can rely on as the guy. Yes, and so there's going to be a lot more attention on Leonard Williams with Dalvin Tomlinson gone, and and they are like you said they're re- relying on uh, you know Dexter Lawrence to take that. And he was he's been really good. I mean the guy's been really good so far through uh, two years, and so um, look they're going to be relying on him to take another big step. And you have a defensive line that can take some pressure off your secondary, and they already have a pretty darn good secondary. So and Blake Martinez really solid middle linebacker. So there's a lot to like about this defense. I mean. The, People have been talking up this defense. Um, they they made for the most part they made upgrades. They made upgrades like you said at the at the most significant area of need number two cornerback. They have a guy in Patrick Graham who everyone's raving about of being this brilliant defensive coordinator. Should be a top ten defense. Let, let's yeah. let's say what it is. And this should be. I mean, they've a invested top, a lot of money in draft picks and making the defense. This should be that. a top ten defense. If it's not, it's a disappointment. That's the bottom yeah. line. Yeah, I mean, and then kind of then especially because even if the offense is better, it's not going to be even probably a top twenty offense. So you need the defense to kind of balance it out. So. Absolutely, and it's and it's you should have more balance on the roster, um, but the way this team has been constructed, that's just not how it is. Um, so yeah, I mean that that's they they need to hold up their end of the bargain, and that's being one of the best defenses in the league, and that's high expectations. But you know, with all the hype and Patrick Graham talked about as a head coaching candidate, and you know maybe a, it, it's a kind of thing where we, they did a really good job last year, and he didn't have really much to work with, and now that he has more to work with, in theory, they should be better. So. Um, that's that's gonna be very uh, interesting to see how that plays out. And I'm trying to think. So I mean, Leonard Williams, we we did mention him a little bit. Like, what what do you think he can do for an encore? Jeez, man. Are, are you are you less confident than other people seem to be about his uh, 
I mean, yeah. 11 and a half sacks is going to be tough to match. Yes, I think so too. I mean, look, the guy has been a disruptive pass rusher throughout his career. If you look at the metrics and you look at his quarterback hits, the sacks are the are the main sexy thing, but he didn't have those until last year. But he had been an effective pass rusher and pretty good against the run too. So he, it's not like he was some guy who had never done anything and all of a sudden last year he burst onto the scene, but um, he certainly had his best year last year. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe eight sacks or something yeah. like that. I, I mean, which is still pretty good. I mean, you just, but you need they need other people anyway to emerge. Like he had he had eleven and a half, and then I think second most was four last year, and yeah. that guy's gone. So, um, so you need Dexter Lawrence to step up. You need Ojolari to be good right away, which you know is no guarantee because he has some health stuff. So yeah, I mean, the, so like it's kind of, you're almost nitpicking on this defense. I think outside linebacker is a legit concern, and you could say nickel corner where Darnay Holmes had a tough camp, and guy they drafted Aaron Robinson is going to be out at least six weeks. So I think that's a concern, but I think you feel pretty good about the defense going in. Most of my concerns are on the offensive side. Yes, um, for sure. And we could we could use that as a jumping off point to to just preview Sunday's game real quick. Um, and you mentioned this, you know, the first two games they have are against teams with pretty talented defenses, and so you have to wonder if you're confident in the Giants' offense's ability to score on them, especially in Week One against the Broncos, a team that has a fully healthy Von Miller, Bradley Chubb should play. They have maybe the best, most talented secondary in the league. Justin Simmons, yeah. I mean, they, yeah, they drafted uh, Patrick Sertan, who apparently looks just amazing in camp. Um, so you have you have to look at the Giants' offensive line and Daniel Jones and wonder if they can get things going against this defense with him having no reps with Kenny Galladay, barely any reps with Saquon. I mean, he's played with him in the past. You know, no reps with Kyle Rudolph, who's going to start at tight end because Evan Ingram's probably out. Um, and, you know, maybe Kadarius Tony plays a little bit. But yeah, I, I just don't. I mean, anything. It's the thing. Week one, the thing. Great thing about week one is just like we all kind of are going in, you know, just kind of guessing at this point. And it, it's it's gonna be nice to finally be able to like see a game and be like, okay, so what I thought during training camp about this was true, what this wasn't, blah blah blah. Everything changes, but I, I just don't have confidence in this offense, especially in the beginning part of the season, especially with the team basically admitting that they're gonna start off slow. And so when you start off against two defenses that are pretty talented starting week one. like I, I, I don't feel great about their chances on Sunday. Nope, I don't either. I think they're going to lose a low-scoring game. Um, and I guess we can get to the picks at the end. But, uh, yeah, I, I look, Bradley Chubb and uh, Miller are going to make life pretty hellish for the Giants' offensive tackles, just like Chase Young uh, will in, in Washington too. on Thursday night. It's going to be brutal. I mean, they're, let's be honest here. They're going to be lucky to make it. They should consider themselves fortunate if they get out of these first two games without getting Daniel Jones hurt. Yeah. Period. I mean, I know that's like doomsday type stuff, but their offensive line. Yeah, Daniel Jones not getting hurt, and maybe you don't get blown out, so you're not demoralized. Like, right. That's the best I hope. think I, I think the Giants' defense is good enough to limit a a Teddy yeah. Bridgewater yeah. and Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick yeah, that's a, See, that's the thing. I think you're looking at a couple of low scoring I mean, games. I mean, like you mentioned, like, you look at these games on paper. You have to be. You have to win the games where the other team doesn't have a star quarterback. You like, have there's, to. There's some, and they have a lot of games like that this year. And then I mean, the week after that is, is Matt Ryan and the Falcons, and they should beat the Falcons. But you know they have weapons on offense too. Um, so yeah, you know you look at that schedule on paper. The Giants have always had Washington's number. You know Denver is not hasn't made the playoffs in a few years. I can't remember the last time they did. So like on paper they should win this game, but like. Yeah, I mean, based on what we see, the, the offense is going to make or break this season. So, um, what what would you have uh, for your pick for this game? I had Broncos twenty, Giants fourteen. I was going to go. I, I haven't officially picked mine yet since I was writing the picks this week. I was going to go like twenty twenty one to seventeen. Giants offense getting seventeen points might be a 
great success. To should quote, we do to quote Bora. Uh, should we do wins picks? Like for the season? Sure. Yeah, I I, I think I mentioned I, I had them going seven and ten. I I honestly had not read your thing. I'm sure it's no, a no, scintillating so. <laughs> read. I'm, I'm sure it's a fascinating as I put read. in there, 100 percent accurate. Everything yeah. will be right. I and honestly, I should have said because I was literally going to say seven and ten. Uh, I didn't even know you picked that until just well, now. I, I had them doing like winning a bunch of games down the stretch against some winnable opponents, but yeah, I just don't I just don't see it. Some of these opponents they have they're going against have some pretty prolific offenses. Yeah, so. I think I I think I. Uh, Pick seven and ten earlier on for similar reasons. I mean, if you look at their December and onward schedule, you're talking about Dolphins, Chargers, Cowboys, Eagles, Bears, Washington. Like those are all winnable games. Winnable so. games in there, right? That'll, be, so, that'll pretty much decide their season because their their schedule to start out is a little bit harder. Yeah, they go Broncos, Washington, Falcons, Saints, Cowboys, Rams, Panthers, and then you get into November with Chiefs, Raiders, then the bye, and then you come out of the bye with Tampa, Buccaneers, yeah. Tampa, Monday and night prime time on the road. But yeah. it's interesting, like you said, we, once you, the calendar turns to December with Dolphins. Chargers, Cowboys, well, certainly Dolphins, like the, Chargers. The schedule yeah. lightens up a little bit. There's more, there. there's more like road games, but those are like. But like, will they yeah. be out of it at that point? Yep. You know, so. I mean, yeah, December's. And again, it's a 17 game schedule, which is going to be an interesting factor. Here. Yeah, so I'll yeah. say 7 and 10. You'll say 7 and 10, and uh, don't take it to the bank. <laughs> yeah, do not listen to us, I would say. Um, all right, we can wrap up on that. We'll be getting you guys a weekly podcast again. Not the season's here. Thanks for listening. Subscribe if you don't already. And uh, we'll talk to you guys again soon.